Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. So if you want to look in your Bible and, uh, or look at the screen, we're going to be starting today in Genesis chapter 4. But last, last week, as the kids reminded us, we talked about getting unburdened of uh, the spirit of shame and the danger that it brings into our life and the toxicity that it brings that we want to be free from. And so we want to keep that in mind and being free of that burden and not picking it back up again. And that's why we're leaving the bricks outside of the backpack because we're not going to put them back in there. That's the idea is take them out and leave them out. And so today we want to take care of the burden of anger, um, which probably all of us know a little something about at one time or the other. And uh, I wanted to begin with a story that I came across. This young girl who was writing an essay for school came to her father and asked, Dad, what's the difference between anger and exasperation? And the father replied, well, it's mostly a matter of degree. Let me show you what I mean. And with that, her father went to, to the, her, his cell phone and he dialed a, neighbor, a, a number at random. And a man, a man on the other end answered the phone and he said, hello, is Melvin there? Now, I got to check something. I just got texted, so is there a reason? Oh, okay. Just want to make sure wasn't, somebody wasn't texting me my zipper was down or something like that. So, <laughs> All right, so... Um, so anyway, he dialed and he says, uh, hello, is Melvin there? And the man answered, there's no one named here named Melvin. Why don't you learn to look up numbers before you dial them? See, the father said to his daughter, that man was not a bit happy with our call. He was probably very busy with something and sort of got annoyed because I called him. Now watch. The father dialed the number again. Same man answered. He says, hello, is Melvin there? Asked the father. Now look here, came the reply. You just called this number and I told you there is no Melvin here. You've got a lot of nerve to keep bothering me, so get your numbers right. And then click, he was gone. And so the father said to his daughter, see, he wasn't just annoyed. That was anger. So she said, but what's the difference between anger and exasperation? He says, well, let me show you. <laughs> Again, he dialed the same number, and when a violent voice roared, Hello! The father calmly said, Hello, this is Melvin. Have there been any calls for me? <laughs> I thought it was funnier than that, but anyways. Uh, Nicky Gumbel, who started... The uh, Alpha Ministry says in his book, The Jesus Lifestyle, and this is all relating it from uh, British terms, because I thought I'd pick on the British because they're the only ones that ever get angry. We never get, because if you watch the Parliament and stuff, I mean, you think they're all angry all the time, right? And then they all walk out happy with each other. But anyway, he says, a Sunday Times article showed that anger is more common than we might think. More than 80% of drivers say that they've been involved in road rage incidents. 80%. 64% of Britons working in an office have experienced office rage. 
office rage. 71% of internet users admit to having suffered net rage. And 50% of us have reacted to computer problems by hitting our computers, hurling parts of it around, and screaming. <laughs> that's, that's the Britons. That's none of us here, but, um, but I think we can all identify. And we all probably have experienced the impact of anger and the way that it affects us and kind of rears its ugly head into our lives. And it's easy for us to justify our anger and to blame it on others. Just like last week we talked about shame and when we experience shame, it's easy to quickly put that blame on someone else. And I just want to remind you that because of the fall, the reality is anger is in our DNA. And there are some things that we can be righteously angry about. But most of the time, the anger that you and I express is not righteous anger. It's anger that gets us in trouble. And generally, we end up having to find some way to square away the, the problem that was created because of our anger. So I want to take you to a familiar story in Genesis chapter 4. And so we'll look at that right now. And it says that Adam knew his Eve his wife, and they conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore her brother, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. I think it's interesting to notice that Cain had the right spirit to start with, as far as we can tell. He brought an offering to the Lord. He thought he was being faithful. He felt like he was doing the right thing. He was being obedient and bringing a sacrifice or bringing an offering of some kind, an act of worship to the Lord. But things changed, as we know. Things changed quickly. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard so Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And now we're in the fourth chapter of Genesis, and this is the first time in, in the Scriptures that the word sin is mentioned. And catch the sequence of events. Cain's angry, but he hasn't sinned yet. He's got this issue going on, and it's brooding in his heart, and he has to figure out some way to deal with this situation, and God's giving him an opportunity because he said, I see the anger, and let me warn you, there is sin crouching at the door, and the implication is it's crouching at the door of, its, of your heart, and it's desire that's, that's that's uh, tied up in this spirit of anger is contrary to you. It's not only contrary to Abel, but it's going to be contrary to you. You're going to pay for it in some way. It's going to have a negative impact on your own personal experience. And so the warning was, you need to rule over it. So where we're at, at this point of this passage, before we finish it, is to recognize that everyone in this room needs to hear the same admonition. All of us have to recognize that there are times that anger, that seed of anger is there, and we have to deal with what is going on in our hearts, 
and we need to pay attention to what's developing and figure out why is it there and what do I need to do to rule over it. Now, before I say any more, please help me in your thinking to recognize this is not a self-help sermon. I hopefully will give you some practical ideas of what to do, but what we're talking about is dealing with anger in such a way that the best way to deal with anger is to deal with it with the help of uh, the message of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures, the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not just some, you know, you can count to 10 or you can count to 500. But if that doesn't deal with the heart of the problem that only God can deal with as he gets to the root of the problem in our hearts, then it really doesn't solve the problem. And so that's what we want to go after today is how God wants to help us make sure that we rule over this spirit of anger that could exist in our hearts. In this passage, what we're finding out is this is like a predator that wants to take us by the throat and bring us down. Anger is about really two key words. It's about dominance and control. And um, so let me have us look at the rest of the passage because I want you to notice that God provides this opportunity for Cain to reconsider and repent of his anger. So even if right now, I hope you don't, you know, don't get angry at me today. But if you're getting angry, if you're starting to think, why is he talking about anger? What's the matter with him? Well, the Lord's giving you an opportunity right now to reconsider and uh, look at the opportunity for repentance that you may need to exercise at some point this morning, whether it's towards me or towards someone else. So God gives Cain the opportunity to repent of his attitude and rule over his heart. And if we can bring the verse, last part of the passage up, verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So obviously he didn't rule over his heart very well. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He still gives him an opportunity. And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now, I want to make sure and express this disclaimer to begin with. You know how you, when you go to the doctor, they ask you, what's the pain like on a scale of 1 to 10? I figured out the secret to that question, by the way. The answer to the question is always 10. Because if you say under 5, then they, they ignore you for the next 4 or 5 hours. Right, Mark? You know, you, you experienced that recently in ER. And so if you make a mistake and say something less than 5, they ignore you. Now, there's some of you in this room, when I talk about anger, you're immediately at a 10. I mean, your anger goes from 1 to 10 just like that. And there's some of you that have never gotten higher than a 2. And we all need to talk to you afterwards to figure out how that's possible. But here's the reality. We all have an anger problem. And the sneaky thing about this topic of anger is some of you that are right now are sitting thinking, uh, well, I would never do what Cain did. Obviously, I wouldn't murder someone. And there's a phrase that we're going to look at later in Galatians, that you, the phrase fits of rage. And some of you are thinking, oh, I've, I've never had fits of rage. I'm the calmest, per, most peaceful person in the world. So you can, you're thinking to yourself, I can just check out right now and go to sleep. I don't need to listen to anything else. Well, wake up. 
Wake up. Because if you think that just because you don't have fits of rage, you don't have anger, you are mistaken. In fact, it's probably, in some ways, easier to deal with people that have fits of rage than to deal with some of the other people I want to talk about in just a minute. Because I want to unpack four different anger scenarios. And the anger scenarios are passive-aggressive, 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 and then the good one, assertive. Because there is a place for anger. When a brother or sister, or if one of our kids keeps running out in the street, we need to get angry and say, you need to stop for their protection. So let me talk about each one of these for a minute because I think they apply to all of us in some way or to the other. The first one is passive angry, passive anger. And this is, this is the anger that's expressed by a person who doesn't like to admit that they're angry because they don't like confrontation. And so what they do is they, they use passive uh, techniques. And their core belief is you matter and I don't. And this comes out in things like becoming silent when you're angry at them. And they go around sulking and procrastinating and putting stuff off that needs to be done and pretending like everything is fine. Everything's okay. Everything's just fine. And this, this, passive, this passive anger comes from a need to be in control and takes, the, and, and takes away the risk of create, takes the risk of creating separation. It's a lie that creates bitterness that grows by absorbing the other person's selfishness and ultimately making the passive person more miserable. And the problem with passive anger is it's emotionally dishonest, indirect, inhibited, self-denying, blaming, and apologetic. And people that have passive anger are very miserable people. And it's difficult to live around them because uh, you never can quite figure out what the problem is. There's another form of anger that's more obvious. It's the fits of rage one. It's the aggressive anger. And the aggressive, angry person is like a T-Rex. Their core belief is, I matter, you don't. And this is the type of person who has a tendency to lash out in anger and rage sometimes becoming physically and verbally aggressive. This is the type of person that can oftentimes hurt themselves or other people with their anger. Open aggression that comes out in fighting and bullying and shouting, accusing, sarcasm, criticism. Open aggression also comes from the need to be in control. The reality, all anger comes from the need to be in control. It's inappropriately honest, doesn't know boundaries, it's direct, this person's expressive, attacking, blaming, controlling, self-enhancing at the expense of others. A person that has problems with fits of rage knows how to confront. And believe me, there's nothing wrong with good confrontation. But you all know that there's some of you that hate confrontation. But there's also some of us that take confrontation way too far. And so one of the issues that we're dealing with when we think about this topic in ruling over our hearts is remembering the boundaries that are necessary to have good, healthy kingdom confrontation. Now there's one more, a third type of anger that I want to talk about before I get to the, the one that's appropriate, 
and that's passive-aggressive anger. It's actually the most sophisticated type of anger, and it's the most devious of fear-based communication because it's, it's really worse than passive, and it's worse than aggressive. Its core belief is, you matter. No, not really. Yeah, yeah, tell me what you want to know. I mean, wh- what I need to know. Oh, yeah, that's really not that important. It, the passive-aggressive person is probably the most offensive person. You ever catch yourself getting defensive a lot? Then look at your heart, because you're probably dealing with passive aggression. The passive-aggressive person manipulates and controls others through active deceit and subtle but deadly forms of punishment. Here's, here's a classic line from the passive-aggressive person. You ask the passive-aggressive person, what's wrong? Something seems wrong. And the answer is, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. Or, uh, no, I'm all right. But you can tell they're upset. And uh, they, you can tell something's wrong, but there is not an opportunity given to bring reconciliation to the problem that exists because of the anger. Um, their core belief through active deceit and subtle but deadly forms of punishment, this person is famous for sarcastic innuendos, veiled threats, the manipulative use of scriptures, judgments that come in the form of counsel and withholding love. Where the aggressive person is the T-Rex, someone has said that the passive-aggressive person is the chocolate-covered dragon. Emotionally dishonest and indirect, self-denying at first, self-enhancing at the expense of others' others' experience in life. Um, I think the passive-aggressive type of anger is the one that's the most guilty for for what, what counselors call triangulation. You know what that is? Triangulation is if I have a problem, I tell, if I want if I have a problem with, uh, 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 who should I pick on? <laughs> if I'm, no, if, I don't want to pick on VJ. I pick on VJ. He's too easy to pick on. I'll pick on Angie. <laughs> so if I have a problem with Angie, rather than going to Angie and say, Angie, you know, I'm really upset over what you said the other day. Then I go to Amy and I say, Amy, don't you think that Angie, she really has a problem communicating, don't you think? And, and yeah, and she says, yeah, you know, I totally agree. Now, if we're handling that the way the scriptures talk about, the first thing that should happen is Amy should say, if she was more spiritual than she just was. <laughs> what Amy <That's> would... <laughs> what Amy would say is, you know, sounds like you have an issue. Doyle, sounds like you have a problem with Angie. Now, if I'm passive-aggressive, I go, no, no, I, I don't have a problem. I mean, I'm just kind of concerned about how she's doing spiritually, and she just seems like she's really off. And if she gets sucked into that, then we triangulate it. But if she handles it the way the Scripture says, what she does is she says, no, no, it sounds like you have a problem, and I'm not going to get engaged in your conversation. You need to go talk to Angie. And if I go, oh, you know what? You know what the classic response is? Oh, it's really not that important. That's a bunch of BS. It is important. If it's important enough for me to gossip to somebody else about it, it's important enough to talk to the person about it, right? And so, so instead of responding, oh, it's not that important, 
if here's here's a little technique that I've used that's really helpful. So what Amy can do is so you need to go talk to Angie. A lot of times the response is, oh, you know, it's not that important. And Amy can just cut that off at the pass and just say, well, I think it's important enough. If it, if it was important enough for you to bring it up to me, it's important enough. So you tell me when you're going to talk to Angie. In fact, it's Sunday. So why don't you plan on talking to Angie by Tuesday? And I'm going to check with you Tuesday to see if you... So Amy checked with me Tuesday. I go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I just didn't get around to it. I, just, I was kind of busy, la, 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 la. And so then I go, well, Amy, then her next step is to say, all right, I'm going to give you till tomorrow, Wednesday. And if you don't do it by tomorrow, I'm going to call Angie, and I'm going to arrange a meeting with the three of us so you can work this out. Now, passive-aggressive people hate that. They hate that because passive-aggressive people hate confrontation. But if we're going to be, if we're going to function and use anger or frustration, let's call it just frustration or exasperation with one another in a way that's healthy, we're going to do it with a way that's that's the fourth characteristic of anger. Because you know in the Bible it makes it very clear, 250 times plus, it says God gets angry. God gets angry. And so it's part of our DNA to get angry, but there is an anger that I would call righteous anger. And that's assertive. It's, it's, or another way to put it is it's productive intensity. And this is the healthy way to deal with anger. It's, it's controlled and confident. It's talking and listening. It's open to help and dealing with the situation. And, and so in that, what I just described, if I triangulate and I try to uh, get upset with Angie and I dump it on Amy... If Amy steps up and says, well, it sounds like you have a problem, how can I help you with that? Because I don't want to see a brother and sister divided. How can I help you with that? Then we've got assertive anger happening because in her heart she may be thinking, you know, it kind of makes me angry. Doyle's the pastor and he can't get along with Angie? I mean, what's up with that? Now that's a good reason to be angry. Now she can get angry and she can go tell Hannah. And then Hannah can go over and tell, uh, tell Mark, you know, and then pretty soon we've got to, you know, and some of us, sadly enough, have been in churches where that kind of garbage goes on. And we don't want that to be happening for us. And so the question is, how can I help? What is it that you need to do? Or another question that's really a good question is, it sounds like there's something you need to do about it. What do you think you need to do? And if, I've, if I'm listening and guarding my heart, my response is going to be, you know what, I probably need to go talk to Angie, don't I? Because assertive anger has this core belief, you matter, and so do I. We both matter. Both of our opinions are important. Assertive anger is a relational type of anger. It helps relationships to grow because this person is not afraid to show others what's happening inside of them. And actually, what can happen as a result of righteous anger or assertive anger or assertiveness in relationships it can actually produce righteousness and it means thinking before you speak being confident of how you say things and yet open and flexible to the other side or the other person's opinion it means being patient and not raising your voice and communicating how you feel emotionally before you say something that you regret it's really trying to understand what others are feeling 
And of the four types of anger, assertive anger is the most mature. It demonstrates the most care about relationships and about ourselves. Uh, assertive anger, by the way, is also not about keeping score and winning. You know, if I'm having a problem with Nicholas, and I'm like, you know, Nicholas, you know how many times I've had to make up towards you? And you never make up with me, you know, I mean. Or like in a husband-wife relationship, in counseling, when I do marriage counseling, one of the first things I tell a couple is you've got to quit keeping score because it's killing your relationship. It's not about keeping score. Um, it's about connecting relationally and strengthening the relationship. It's appropriately honest and self, uh, self-enhancing and direct and self-confident. But I think a key word with this type of assertive communication, assertive anger, I guess you could call it, is it's empathic to all emotions involved. It, there's a lot of empathy that exists. And so we can, have, we can have strong opinions towards one another. But when strong opinions are bathed with empathy and remembering who we're talking to, especially we're talking to brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, and I'll end with this in, in a little while, but I want to just mention it now. If we see the fact that Jesus exists in all of us, and you know, if I make a mistake, if I say something that offends you, that doesn't mean Jesus jumped out of my life, you know, and I became something else. I just messed up. And so what we do for one another is we look for Jesus in each other. And if I'm, if I'm upset, if I'm, if I'm really upset at that other person, I'm going, man, why am I having such a hard time seeing Jesus in that person? And what do I need to do? to talk with them in a way that communicates effectively, what do I need to do in my own heart to change the way that I'm seeing them? Each of us have to deal with anger at some times in our lives, and what we're told in Genesis 4 is when we get angry, we have to be careful because the sin of destruction, maybe not murder, but the sin or the seed of destruction of destroying relationships and so on is not far behind. And we all have to deal with anger and God loves us enough to ask us, like He asked Cain, why are you angry? Are you angry right now? Because if you're angry right now, ask yourself a question. Why am I angry? Why am I angry? Where is that coming from? And so we know that Christ equips us to do what Cain was admonished to do, he teaches us to be aware of the power of anger and how to master the power of anger and see it produce righteousness rather than increase our burdens. Ephesians chapter 4 warns us of something. You know that it's the only emotion in all of the Scriptures that gives this warning. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give, the, give no opportunity to the devil. It's the only emotion where we could give the enemy an opportunity to have a foothold in our life. Don't let the passion of your emotions lead to sin. Don't let anger control you or be a fuel for revenge. Not even for a day, not even for a minute or an hour. Don't, let, don't give the slanderous accuser who is called the accuser of the brethren. 
in the Scriptures. Don't give the accuser an opportunity to add to to what he's already saying by he doesn't need you to add to the list of things to accuse one another about. Paul makes it pretty clear in Ephesians 5. He says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. That's right. couldn't have said it better myself that don't be angry it doesn't pay and it's true it produces a very toxic drug in our system called cortisol which can cause us to have all sorts of physical reactions and if you're trying to lose weight it won't help that at all you know it's okay to get angry at the delivery guy who speeds down the street when our kids are playing out in the front yard. And it makes sense to get angry at situations like terrorists attacking the hideous evil in Nigeria by the Boko Haram killing mothers and children in any situations like that. But even in these situations, we need to be on guard. And like we learned last week when we spoke about shame, the root of the problem of anger is a heart problem. It's part of our DNA, and we need to watch carefully. We need to watch it carefully, and there might be a place for it, but like Cain, we need to guard against the direction it can lead us because it's very toxic. And so let me give you three steps out of the trap of anger. How do we get rid of this burden so we don't put it back in the backpack of our life again? First of all, we reflect on the source of the anger. We ask ourselves the question, what's, what's the big thing that's so important to me now that I get this defensive? And what am I loving so much right now that my heart is moved to feel angry, anger and the way I feel is more important than the connection that I have with that person? Because we all know that anger most of the time is expressed towards another person. What am I loving so much right now that my heart is moved to feel angry. And feeling angry is more important than being connected with that person. If you ask that question, Tim Keller says, if you do this analysis more often than not, you'll immediately be embarrassed because many, many times the thing you're defending is your ego, your pride, and your self-esteem. So the first thing is to reflect on the source of the anger. Where is it coming from? The second thing is another R, which is to repent with godly sorrow for the sin of anger. Just think how different the story could have been when God confronted Cain about what was in his heart. And he said, God, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm really offended that you took my brother's sacrifice instead of mine. And I repent for the attitude that's in my heart. Just think how different the story would have been. And we can feel embarrassed after asking the question and there's nothing more ugly than opening the lid of our hearts to find out there's this corruption in our hearts, this disordered love 
But we know that Jesus bore the wrath we deserved and he frees us from sin's guilt. And so even with anger, he can free us from the death that comes because of anger. And then there's sorrow. And it's, it's okay for us to be rightfully sad for how our souls are affected by the spirit of anger. And the remedy to all of this is to delay and allow the Holy Spirit to work. You remember what Jesus, the name Jesus gave the Holy Spirit? He gave the name Comforter. So it would make sense, wouldn't it? When David says things, be angry, yet do not sin on your bed, search your heart, and be still. So it might help if we knew the Holy Spirit a little bit better so that when we were angry with someone, the first thing we did was said, where is this coming from? And Holy Spirit, would you help still my heart? Because I need to talk to a person about something they did wrong, or I need to talk to a person about some way they wronged me, or I need to talk to some employees about something, and I'm really upset with them right now. So would you please still my heart? Holy Spirit, come and give me peace. So let me have you look at this passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 5. And uh, as we get ready to put that up on the screen, everybody do me a big favor. Everybody, uh, everybody stand up. Because it's hot in here and everybody's falling asleep on me and I'm trying to wake you up. It's not hot? Oh, I'm hot. But the way the look on your faces is it's hot. So everybody stretch a little. It was making me angry because you were like dozing off on me. I would like kept thinking, where is this coming from? It's because your eyes are shut. No. All right. Why don't you stay standing and let's look at this passage. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other and to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sex, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, and here it is, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Which means we're not going to have the atmosphere of the kingdom in our midst if those things exist in our relationships. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking one another envying one another. I got about two more minutes, so you can be seated. So we stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. And this is what I think the Holy Spirit, this is the third thing, this is what I think the Holy Spirit will help us remember. Remember the love of Jesus as the antidote for our anger. The obvious solution to love that gets out of whack 
and to get it back into alignment is to get back into alignment with the most perfect love any of us have ever experienced in our lives. The perfect love that gets rid of anger, the perfect love that casts out fear. We can't just stop loving one object wrongly to start loving the most lovable object in the right way unless we're strengthened by the Spirit to know the love of Christ in our own hearts that surpasses knowledge and the love of Christ that exists in the hearts of their people that we're working with. And so I remind you of this passage of Scripture as well, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. This is what we focus on to take care of our anger. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. We all need to see the face of Jesus in each other. Live in grace, walk in love. Live in grace, walk in love. So I'd like you to stand again, and I want to finish with this. I want you to take a moment before we sing our last song, whether it's the person standing next to you, maybe it's your husband or your wife, or maybe you need to go find somebody right now that you have not represented the love of Jesus to them like you should, or you don't see the love of Jesus in them very well. And let's take an opportunity uh, as I pray. Let's take an opportunity. In fact, let's just put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to us. And let's just pray. <laughs> let's just pray that... Uh, she's getting angry at you right now. Let's just pray that God would increase a measure of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives so that we can represent Jesus more fully and see Jesus better in each other. So Father, I just pray right now that you would bless us, bless the person to our right and left, bless anyone that's in this room that we maybe need to talk to, whether it's someone in our family or someone in our church family. Lord, help us to be free from the burden of anger. Whether we have a problem with it aggressively, whether we're passive-aggressive about it, Lord, help us to be free to confront one another in a healthy way so that we might represent the love of Jesus to each other and especially represent the love of Jesus to a broken world. We ask in Jesus' name. I invite you to just extend your hands and I just want to pray this over all of you as you get ready to go. I pray that the Lord would free you from the burden of shame and He would free you from the burden of anger and that you would enjoy the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, that you would experience the love of God more fully and that you would be able to commune with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit
in all of your relationships through all of this week. In his name I pray, amen.